You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 56 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. This is the show for April 2018, and I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. I am absolutely delighted to introduce you to a wonderful panel today. Uh, let me see, what order of my show notes? First off, a new voice for this show, but not a new voice to me. Kelly Gamot from App Camp for Girls joins us for the first time. Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you? It is great to hear your voice again. We used to podcast together many, many moons ago before this show even existed, and it's it's really nice to talk to you again. I'm really excited to be here to get to chat with you. And do you want to tell the good listeners what App Camp for Girls is? And uh, at least the girls may hopefully be interested and join up and have some fun. <laughs> I I hope so. Uh, this is what uh, App Camp is is a a week long day camp for. Um, uh, girls, transgender, gender nonconforming, uh, going into grade eight or grade nine, because uh, it's over the summer. So that summer, uh, going into eighth grade or ninth grade, we spend a week and we build a complete iOS app at the end of the week. Um, once you've built your app, you pitch it to a panel of investors and they they ask questions about you know the app and the marketing plans and things like that. At the end of the summer, we take all of the apps that were created in all of the cities and we release them in the app store. So anyone who comes to camp uh, leaves camp and will become a published developer in the iTunes app store. Um, we are currently in Portland, Seattle, Phoenix, and Minneapolis this summer. We're always looking to expand. And you can find out more about us at appcamp4girls.org. Excellent. Thank you very much, Kelly. Uh, also joining us, we have Adam Christensen from the MacCast. Hi, Adam. Nice to have you on again. Hey, how you doing? Nice to be back again. It's been a while. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you. And uh, speaking of it's been a while, Victor Cahiao joins us again for the first time in, I just checked my uh, my show notes, since episode 39. So that's like a year and that's quite a while ago. Victor, it is great to have you wow. back. Yeah, it's good to be back. I am uh, back at home in South Dakota in a place where I can podcast. And so it's wonderful to be here and uh, to join in and, and, and give my opinion about all things. Appley and fun. Excellent. Well, we're delighted to have you here to do that. And finally, then, we are also joined by Nick Riley. Hi, Nick. Uh, hi, Bart. It's good to be back. Um, it feels a bit surreal, really, because... Um, a little while ago, earlier this morning, I was listening to Essential Apple and listening to that uh, wonderful person, Kelly Gamont, and, and now, now I'm talking to her in real life. It's strange. Such a busy today, Kelly. Yeah, she's, not a, she's not a host. She's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get stuck into a month's worth of Apple news. Uh, before we get into the big stories, just some notable numbers that caught my eye. Um Apple Music has hit 40 million subscribers and, uh, well, Apple have given them a vice president, which is probably no bad thing to do, and the service has 40 million subscribers. Um, Also, they're giving out an extra month, which is nice of them, and Spotify have reacted by beefing up their free tier. So I'm not actually an Apple Music subscriber, so I I don't really know what all the hoo-ha is about, but I'm guessing some people on this panel probably are. You know what, Bart? I just joined uh, 
this month. I uh, had not been a, a subscriber. I had been a subscriber for the Amazon Music, but but I found that often uh, the stuff that I wanted to listen to or that I wanted to learn to play mm-hmm. was not there. And and so I said, I finally said, you know, if I go to Apple Music, am I going to get all the music I want? And the answer was yes. So uh-huh. I, I joined this month, and, I, and I'm very happy that every single song I put in there to either learn how to play or listen to, I've been able to do that, which I was not able to do with the Amazon Prime uh, service, even if you paid the extra, which I did. So there That's you. good to hear. So good experience Simple. for American customers. And any yeah, other happy you- customers? Well, knowing you, Victor, is is a lot of that they're having to do with their jazz catalog, or is it? You know what, Adam? Actually, I've been learning a lot of uh, of music for top forty stuff from my brother in law's band that I'm trying to play keyboards for. So it was oh, cool. it was actually not the the weird jazz stuff that wasn't there. It was you know eagles. It was you know what? it was like it was almost like stuff that uh, Amazon was going to find the version of the song I was looking for that would be cheapest for them to play, which mm-hmm. to me, I, I, I didn't dig. You know, I wanted to be able to go and, and put an Eagle song and, and see that it was in four albums and pick the one that I wanted to listen to. And mm-hmm. so I and so I went ahead and paid for it, and, and, and I'm happy I did. It's, it's a shame that Amazon Music is not catching on to that little fact. In other words, I believe it to be a little bit of a trickery that they are not giving you the the prime uh, catalog that they should be. Right. Giving. Well, Victor, That's as, as bad as Amazon might be over there, I joined Amazon Prime here in Ireland, and it turns out that they just have nothing. Like, they just have <laughs> well, basically That's nothing. Even worse. Yeah, that's even worse. That's even worse. Yeah. I wanted to watch the Top Gear guys, and I got to watch the Top Gear guys because that's an Amazon-owned creation. And that, to be honest, if Mm -hmm. Amazon didn't make it, you don't get it here. And they show you everything, right, in true Amazon style. Just like when I search for stuff on Amazon, they show me things, which when I then click on it says, will not ship to Ireland. Why are you in my search results? (laughs) Yeah, I hate that. that. Precisely. I don't don't subscribe to Apple Music because... primarily well i don't subscribe to any so it's not like i'm paying for something else instead Mm -hmm. but also um i was considering apple music and i was sort of debating um apple music versus spotify at one point and the reason i decided apple music wasn't going to be for me is because i can see how well apple and amazon get along when it comes to their service one service Mm -hmm. versus the other one's hardware so Mm -hmm. if i ever want to listen to anything that I might conceivably want to play on any of the echo units in my house. It mm-hmm. won't be Apple music. It's going to have to be Spotify because there is no Apple music for anything, but a home pod. And I don't have a home pod. I have no plans for a home pod. I have solved all my home audio issues. So yeah, I'm not, sense. I'm not, I'm not as I, since I'm not a person in that market, then like the one thing that might've tipped me toward finally just breaking down and paying for a streaming service isn't going to work. So until they can work that out, you know, the same way what it took about, us a hundred thousand years to get Prime Video on Apple TV. What about AirPlay? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's no reason that Amazon couldn't implement the AirPlay protocol, is there? Apple would say Apple says no. There's probably well, no, no, but Air, like, no. AirPlay is something anyone a, can implement, right? That AirPlay isn't. Yeah. The problem, yeah. I think, there is that AirPlay is not going to – I don't know that you can make it work with the voice assistants. I, I don't know oh, that maybe yeah, that's yeah, the okay. way Sonos – maybe that's the way Sonos is going to get in. Because I was going to say I have Apple Music 
and I absolutely love it, but I'm all in on Apple on everything in my house. So I've made sure all my home automation is home kit. I've made sure, mm-hmm. um, like, so Apple music for me was like a no brainer. I do have a Sonos system as my home theater surround system, but Sonos oh, okay. said at some point they're going to support, um, they're going to support support Siri. They already do support Apple Music. I mean, they have an Apple Music client, and I can listen to right. my, yes. my yes. Apple Music on my Sonos. Uh, I can't voice control it, uh, but you know, and I do have a HomePod, and I have all that stuff. So, I absolutely love Apple Music. I think it's it's perfect for me. But again, I am all in on Apple, and I always have been. So, it yeah. makes it it makes it pretty easy. Um, the one thing I wanted to to comment on what was interesting about Victor's comments, I think, is I often hear the opposite from people, Victor, um, that they complain that Apple's catalog sometimes has too many versions of the same song. So especially when you use Siri or a voice assistant, you're often not getting the um, version that you want. So I've heard recently, and we, I talked about this on my show a little bit, a complaint about Apple Music is that what they what they call qualify as a song quote unquote, uh, can often be like too much, like, like the navigation and the browsing and the, like, I want name, name of song from name of band and you get some weird live version or you get some other version because they call everything an album, like whether it's a compilation or it's a, you know, so you're not always getting the original studio album, which is like 90% of the time, probably what you want. Uh, right. right. And so right. with other services, they seem to handle that better. But that sounds like exactly a little bit what you're reacting to is like maybe Amazon's like, well, we're only going to have the one, you know, studio version. And if you want some other version or this version off some other, you know, compilation or some sort of, uh, you know, uh, limited album or something like that, you're not finding it. Yeah, to me, it's almost like Amazon has gone too far to that other side, Adam. I mean, I hear what you're saying. They've gone a little bit too far, and and they they are playing you the version that cost them the least. And and, and I I thought that was a problem. And and I, too, I'm a Sonos person. Uh, Recently, I bought the the Sonos Ones. And so I've had to kind of deal with that with their application and using it with Apple Music. And I hear that they are going to be, when when the new version of uh, Apple Play comes out, they're going to be all in. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, what strikes me is that one person's bug is another person's feature. It's like, yes, <laughs> correct. Oh my correct. god, I have so yeah. many albums or so many versions of this song to choose from. Versus, yay, I have so many versions of this song song to choose from. Right, right. My my thing has been what's great now is we have so much choice. So you know, if you're all in on Spotify and Echo, awesome. You can totally do that, and you have so many great choices. Um, and I I got a little frustrated a little bit recently with the bashing on HomePod and, and the fact that it's limited to Apple's ecosystem. And I have to remind people, it's like, Hey, this is what Apple has always done. It's almost always where they start with their own stuff. And then they expand out from there. And, you know, if you don't like it, wow, you've got lots of great choices. You can get a Google home, you can get an Alexa, you can get, you know, the Samsung thing. I I don't really care. You know, like pick the thing that works for you. If if your stuff doesn't, work with HomeKit, you know, then it doesn't have to. You can get a, a Sonos one and like there is such great choice. There's no monopoly here. There's nothing even vaguely resembling no. a monopoly. Right. So if you don't like the product, we'll get another one. Yeah. Although I do wish that Apple would just come out with a kind of, a, you know, get everything we own policy so that I could just 
like take my money. Here's thirty bucks a month, and you can and I can, and I can have your music, and I can have your backup services and your storage. You know, because I'm having to pay you know a little bit to a bunch of different services. I wish Apple would just bundle those up and say to me, just take my money. Actually, and, and that's, that's a great there. idea because I would actually want a single. Just give me a family Apple Care, and you Correct. just support. Correct everything in this house because you know how much is in this house dearest apple because you've sold it all to us correct (laughs) and that's totally what i'm looking for and i think you're right i think they are getting there it's just a matter of getting to an apple apple prime or something like that yeah yeah we'll call it that but that's the idea yeah anyway i know know they won't but that was the best example i could give is you know like we want and what victor's describing in my mind is is an amazon prime but for all my apple stuff right that's right and i'll join yeah i'll I'll join you victor the two of us will be the first customers in line Although Ireland will probably not get it for 20 years or whatever. Anyway, I'm going to move us into the the second of our notable numbers here. It just caught my eye. Um, US insur- car insurance firm Everquote did a survey of their drivers, particularly, uh, well, they had surveyed all of their drivers, but what was particularly eye-catching is that of their drivers that use their iOS app, which is called EverDrive, 80% of them have tried the do not disturb while driving feature, and, uh, and 70% continued to use that feature which means there's an awful lot less distracted driving on the road thanks to this mm-hmm. wonderful new feature in ios 11 and i only passed mm-hmm. my driving test about a month ago and now that i'm allowed out on the road on my own it's pretty much the first thing i do i punch where i'm trying to drive to into the gps then i swipe down from because i have an iphone 10 i swipe down from where the little wi-fi icon is i click the car icon that i've added to my dashboard and then i leave mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's as much as, you know, put on the seatbelt, clunk, put in do not disturb while driving, and then off we go. You don't just have it on the auto mode. I, I use that. I mean, just have it turned on so the minute yeah, it my, my car's the car, a bit old, the car Adam. Moving. My car is yeah. so old well, it has no Bluetooth, which means it's really bad well, at it, detecting it also, it. I believe it also uses the GPS, so once it detects you're moving over a certain speed, I believe it assumes that you are driving. Yeah, uh, so I spend yeah, a lot of time not moving. Is the over opposite that problem, the opposite problem, where sometimes it thinks I'm driving and I'm not, but then you just hit the "Hey, I'm not driving" button and away you go. Yeah, I spent a lot you know, of time on the bike though, and I don't actually want it to to, to engage at that point. So, my, my very intelligent wife, who used to be a lawyer, uh, was able to talk me into making sure that I had this turned on because she basically just said, "Look, if you turn this on, if we ever get into an accident, that's another piece of data you can take to court if you're yeah. ever sued." Which, which was a brilliant idea, right? I can basically say to them, look, I have this thing on. I am a safe driver, and here is a history going back uh, mm-hmm. years that says that. Why, would not, why wouldn't I have had it on this particular time? So, uh, again, she's brilliant, and, and, and I think <laughs> never mind that it's saving lives, but it can also save you litigation money. So. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it, it saves you from yourself, thing. right? Because our own worst enemy is very often ourselves. Oh, the the temptation to yes. just look down because yes. yes. screen lights up, little little human lizard brain goes, "Ooh, must look shiny," and so just yes. leave it off. Leave it off. So I won't right. be distracted. Well, I've mitigated it in my own driving by because um, I've had a cell phone for a long time and one of the reasons i got it was uh for traveling if i'm not home i'm mm-hmm. generally by myself and i don't mean like like to you know anyway in general um if like if i am going in and visiting my family or something um there are a number of there's a lot of the time when i go alone and so it was nice to have a cell phone so that 
if something were to happen, I would have the opportunity. So when all it ever got was text messages, it wasn't a big deal. And I never had to reply to anybody right away. And it's not like it was a thing that you could do with your voice or anything back in the day. So I got used to basically ignoring my phone ages ago, like before years started with two, I was at Mm -hmm. a point where like, I just, if your phone makes noise, don't worry about it until you get where you're going or you can stop somewhere. So, so I already have that wired in. So, um, the, the bonus to that is that generally like, unless I'm headed on a, an actual trip to go visit my family or something, um, I am generally not driving very far. I don't have a commute. And I don't end up having to spend more than generally 10 or 15 minutes in the car. So um, I don't turn it on because when it is on, when, when I do go somewhere for a significant period of time, um, there's an excellent chance I am the passenger and I ride and I ride. <laughs> and as a result, um, like I get stuck in, you know, do not disturb while driving. I'm like, no, I'm not driving. And so I actually don't use that feature. Um Anything important enough goes to my watch. So I do know, like, if my arm gets buzzed, I know something mm-hmm. happened and I'm going to I'm going to be where I'm at and where I need to be in a couple of minutes anyway. So I just know I need to check my phone when I get there. So um, right. for me, I haven't used it, but I also like my phone is face down when it's in the car. I don't have it sitting up in the cup holder so I can glance down at it. You know, I don't have any of that stuff going on you, in the first place. So because you're doing short little trips, you're obviously not reliant on your GPS because when you know where you're going, it's no more than 15 minutes away. Whereas right. if you're going on a longer trip, so the only reason I ever use the car is for long trips, because everything close by I do on foot or by bike. So I'm never in the mm-hmm. car for 15 minutes. I'm in the car for an hour or more. And I pretty much yeah. always have the GPS on, which means that you mm-hmm. have to have the screen visible. And therefore, it's actually yes. double powerful to have the only thing that's going to wake that screen up is turn left, turn right, yeah. continue straight ahead, whatever it is. And that yeah. that is very powerful. I do use maps occasionally to find... Like, for traffic reasons. Like, if I'm Mm -hmm. headed here, do I need to go this way or that way? Because Mm -hmm. one of them's probably screwed up. Which one is it today? Okay. And then... And then move on, but I don't. I don't generally use the navigation on it, so I don't have that to to worry about. And when I do, um, both of the cars that I would be driving have Bluetooth, so I can hear it over the speaker, so I wouldn't have to um, look at to the look. screen anyway. Yeah. So, well, in my case, the Apple yeah. Watch taps me on the wrist. You know, one one yeah. type of buzz for left, one type of buzz for right, which is just amazing that it does that. Anyway. I am going to move us on. Just very quickly want to mention, um, I, started, I added this segment to the show a few a few months ago when everyone was saying there was a brain drain at Apple because there were, you know, <laughs> a, a few people were leaving Apple at the same time and everyone assumed the sky was falling. So I decided from now on, I'm just going to track this and let's just see how it goes. And what I've discovered is that when you watch this all the time, there's much more people come to Apple than sod off. Uh, mm-hmm. And this month is a perfect example. So two big names, um or rather, two impressive resumes. Uh, so the first thing I'm going to mention is John McCormick, Apple hired away from Amazon, where he was chief technology officer for their devices group. But that wasn't his first gig. He has been chief of software operations for Hewlett-Packard, VP of software for Kindle at Amazon, and he was on Google's advanced technology and products group. That's definitely not a brain drain. That's that's quite a good brain that's just come flying towards Apple. And then the one that caught everyone's eye and made a few people's eyebrows rise up, um, John Giannandria, I'm going to say, and I'm hoping that's a vaguely correct pronunciation, 
was uh, Chief of Research and AI at Google. And Tim Cook made a point of emphasising that John shares Apple's values, including their commitment to privacy, in an email to all staff, because most of the world in the middle of the Cambridge Analytica kerfuffle went, Apple hired what? <laughs> but I, I, I'm not worried. I think basically what we have is a really smart person. And if, if he's leaving Google, it's probably because... You know, he's not entirely on the same hymn sheet as them. And if he is, like Tim Cook says, on Apple's hymn sheet, well, great. I want a smart person like that to make Siri a bit less dumb. Oh, yeah. Anything that improves Siri would be good for me. (laughs) It never never seems to understand what I say at all. So I'd sort of give up after a while. Yeah, I, I keep trying. Alison made me try again this year, and I did. And it, she just never does anything Still no? I want. Yeah, she, yeah I just hurts. found no value. <laughs> she's like, the, she's like, the, you know, like somebody. You, I really want her to win. Yeah. you know, and I keep trying, but come on, you can do it. Let, you know, just get a little bit smarter. You know, learn from your friend Alexa just a little tiny bit. Yeah, and it's I, it's almost there, right? Because it, you know, seven times out of ten you'll get there. But the thing is, those three times when it doesn't are just such a pain in the you know what that my end yes. result is I'm just going to reach for my phone. It's just, yeah, all of that all works voice ten out of ten. All voice assistants are like that, though. I mean, that I, I've used Alexa and and Siri, and they all fall over at some point at a certain percentage of time. So it really just depends on on what you're asking. I haven't found a a perfect one. I haven't uh, used the Google one, and I don't use the Microsoft one. So I guess I've only really I've, tried two. But I've been sort of trained by mine. Um, it seems like, uh, and I know this probably isn't relevant to a lot of people here, but I do occasionally want to track a sports team, and I find that I get the most reliable sports ball information from my phone from Siri. Um, and I would be really curious what it what it is that y'all are asking that is failing. And the reason for that is because I don't get a lot of utter failure from either assistant. And in fact, um, and this is a thing I think sometimes people don't realize, is that Siri was the first one that could hear me. And I don't mean mm-hmm. like could do what I wanted it to do or w- would pick up on no I, at all. I mean, because a lot of voice activated things are not are were not like calibrated, I guess, uh, for a female voice, even a, a, a lower voice like mine was just miserable on anything that operated using voice recognition except for siri like when i could pick up my phone and hold that button down because that's how you did it in the olden days people um and tell my phone to send a message to mr kelly about whatever and she did it it was astounding even if she got some of the words wrong it didn't matter because she could hear me at all and so to me that was awesome so the fact that I can now pick up my arm and say, hey, how do I get home? Like, what's the fastest way home from here? And she will tell me. Or um, how did the Trailblazers do last night? Or what's the record for the Mariners right now? And I can get that information. That's been great. Um, I use the A-Lady for um, uh, weather and uh, home, most of the home automation stuff, I don't have home kit set up at my house, which is a whole other thing. Um, but like I use the A-Lady for turning on lights, 
uh, turning on stuff that's attached to Wemo switches, adjusting the thermostat sometimes, and getting all that stuff set up. And they both can hear me and, for the most part, will do what I want them to do. So I'm probably at, like, 8 out of 10, maybe 9 out of 10. And I don't know if it's because I just never assume that they can do everything, so I'm not asking them anything terribly interesting so they don't get well, confused. I just, maybe it's just a- Or what? The problems I'm trying to solve don't align with the problems Apple engineers think I might want to solve. Maybe that's where it goes wrong. Right. But I, I just right. sort of think like... You that's know, entirely true. You know, where is my next meeting? When is my next meeting? They're the kind of things I kind of thought she'd be able to do or, you know, mm-hmm. schedule a meeting for me on Thursday with Bob or whatever. And she That doesn't, doesn't work for you? Not reliably. <laughs> not to the point where I can be sure that it'll be Bob and that'll be next Thursday. She'll usually... Uh, report back what she what she thinks she said these days. I think with that with that command, if I'm remembering right. The the one thing last thing I want to add, I think because I I think I'm the only one here with a HomePod. Mm-hmm. Um, for mm-hmm. people who have been a bit frustrated with Siri, the HomePod experience or the Siri experience on HomePod is like a quantum leap forward. Um, really, wow. what you get on the phone? Yeah, and I think a lot of it is the technology, right? But the but the other thing about the experience and uh, the the thing that I think a lot of people will say is like, well, uh, you know, a lady is smarter than Siri for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and I think that reason is is that uh, a lady grew up having to be a voice only interface, and mm-hmm. Siri didn't. So mm-hmm. Apple engineers early on had this fallback of, well, if it doesn't work, we'll we just can just show put you something it. on the screen, right? Yeah. Um, the HomePod can't do that. So like Kelly, your example of sports ball stuff, like the sports mm-hmm. stuff on Siri on the HomePod is awesome because it's all voice, right? You get you get yeah. really detailed, like she gives pretty detailed information about what's going on. So, and I'm not even a sports person. Same thing with like news and also just informational stuff, right? If you're asking about factual, fact-based stuff, um, it all mm-hmm. has to be read back to you. And she will read a summary, I think, from like Wikipedia very often and then say, hey, do you want the full thing? And you say yes. And then she continues on. And, and so I, I so think Adam, it's going to get a lot better, you know, just based on my experience with HomePod. So. I think there's Adam, two so things going think... against me, though. So sorry, Victor, I just want to just jump in because there's two reasons I think I get a bad experience is, first off, I'm in Ireland. Accent. So that always works against us because her local knowledge is not very good here. And, and second of all, you sound like it. With that too. Third of all, uh, among the many <laughs> things, to go back to Monty Python. But no, the other thing is I use Apple Watch Siri because I believe a lock screen should be a lock screen. I do not allow anything bypass my lock screen. And that ah. means that I'm using Apple mm-hmm. Watch Siri and Apple Watch Siri seems particularly lethargic. That'll seriously hinder the, the experience. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Sure. Yeah. So, Adam, do you think that this is a, a when you say HomePod is a new experience, so it's almost like you're implying that that is a client-based issue where they have built into the client some more abilities that would let mm-hmm. uh, Siri be more articulate, let's put it that way, than it can be on my iPhone, which I just, I say to that, darn, you know, I wish... Why not? Why can't I have that same experience well, I, that you're is, getting on HomePod? Yeah, and that's my my point is I think I think they learned a lot of stuff when developing HomePod, and I'm starting to see, it feels like I'm starting to see some of it work its way back, just like we nice. saw with crossover stuff with Mac and iOS, right? They 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 well, put a feature on iOS and they're like, hey, this is actually pretty nifty, and this works pretty cool, and this would probably be pretty really, pretty good on the Mac. Let's work our way back, and so I'm well, hoping that there's going to be some of that stuff with. 
I wonder if, if part of it has to do with um, HomePod is the latest iteration of Siri right. to exist. Like, it's the most recent one. Mm-hmm. It, it came out after the most recent iPhones. It came out, like, you know, the only one that might be more recent would be the new iPad, but that's it. So um, I wonder if, if maybe there's been just some iteration in Siri that way. Yep, that's what I think. Uh, iOS 12 solve everything <laughs> yep. anyway let's yep. let's jump into the main stories for the month um i i have a, as a general rule on this show i don't do rumors i hate rumors i don't find rumors to be a, a fun thing to do particularly in a monthly show i guess you could do a whole show on rumors but from time to time some of them just have a certain whiff of actually this may be a little bit more than a rumor and I decided to break my rule, and the first main story I've picked for this month is Bloomberg's report that Apple is working on switching its Mac line to its own processors, which would mm. certainly be a bold move. And I don't know how I feel about it, because I'm highly conflicted, <laughs> because I'm a Linux nerd, and one of the cool things about the Mac, since it went Intel, is that all of the cool Linux stuff just compiles on the Mac without any bother because it's the same architecture. And that made the Mac a lot more appealing to me personally. But that's not a normal use case for regular folks. What's a normal use case for regular folks is why is the battery life on my laptop an order of magnitude worse than on my iPad? And the answer is because your Intel chip is awful. Uh, and therefore, <laughs> the value of switching to a really good custom-made silicon for the for my you know, a 12-inch MacBook with that kind of battery experience as I get in an iPad, it's like, I really see the value in that. Mm-hmm. So how, how, do, how do others, like, are, are other people jumping up and down in excitement or fearing this or an, confused? I, you know, I think that the deal for me is, like, this is an, an inevitable, an ined- inevitable, if I can talk this morning. <laughs> Undeniable. <laughs> Yes, it's a thing that's going to happen eventually, right? I mean, yeah. Apple has been making their own processors for their iOS devices, and exactly for the reasons that you're citing, Bart. You know, power efficiency, being able to tune it to the operating system, it it, it feels like the next logical they're, step. They're also um, darn good at it, Apple, because those systems on a chip that Apple have, they're not second class citizens. They're not behind the stuff in Android phones. Like they're leading right. the way. So they're well, they're doing it, and they're good at it. Yeah, and you also have Intel sort of slowing down on their innovation and iteration. I mean, they, they're making mm-hmm. better processors. I don't want to, like, say that they're not. But, you know, it's not the quantum leaps that, that you had. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we, you know, too many to go into. But point is, is like Apple, exactly, Apple has gotten very good at designing processors. Um, they're not going to be making them, right? They're going to continue to do the partnership thing that they do. Yeah. And somebody's going to make these chips for them. But they're going to design them and make sure that they work the way that they need them to work and want them to work. And, um, you know, I do think that, you know, one place we might see this first is, it, and we already are seeing it a little bit, right? There's coprocessors in Macs now that are designed by Apple. And I think they'll continue that trend. There's no reason why you couldn't have an Apple-designed chip and for, you know, 90% of the things that aren't, don't require a lot of processing, they're on that chip and they just seamlessly in the operating system flip back and forth. So we might see something like that first or they could go full-blown, nope, we're going to put out a laptop with an Apple chip. I, that's what I'm curious to see how they how they sort of roll it out. Uh, I'm only really curious about whether they'll be able to do that across the entire line. And by that, I mean, uh, obviously, the the iMac Pro and beyond, you know, the the 
2019 version of their uh, Mac Pro. Uh, that is the one area that I just don't know. I hope they do. I hope they, they pull it off to make their processor work across the entire line, be able to cross that divide that even really, really pro users can actually use a processor made uh, or designed by them, I should say, not made by them. <laughs> Real quick, well, Victor, just because you, you brought up the pro thing, I did have mm-hmm. one listener who emailed in, and I think we're getting to this story later, so hopefully I'm not like revealing it, but um, mentioned that he thinks Apple may do their processor first in the Mac Pro. <laughs> you know, you, you may be right. Side. That totally they, makes they sense. Need fewer, they need fewer, and, and you know, for a lot of reasons, they yeah, the volume is going to be small, less right? challenging. Yeah, exactly. That was the point. Is it's a small volume. They can experiment, and they've been working with. Um, they say they've been working with you know people in Hollywood and stuff like that to figure out workflows, so they could actually exactly. engineer a processor specifically designed for that market. And and that's that's the key. It's that if they can make it work for that market with a ninety nine point nine percent you know reliability, then the rest of it will be cake because that market is so demanding. They just cannot uh, they can't afford downtime. You know, downtime is a lot of money. So God bless them. I hope they can do it. I hope that's where they show it off. And, and I'll be all in if they can uh, certainly do it. Uh, I'm kind of waiting off on the buy button uh, until then to see what it is they come up with as far as their own processor for a next-generation Pro machine, uh, although it's been really hard with the iMac Pro not to, to push that buy button. That's quite I a nice the partnership machine, here. Sorry, The Kim. partnership, I think, is the part that's interesting about this, and that's because um, – if you're an old school Apple person, like a lot of us are, um, mm-hmm. you've heard this story. Apple's making their own processors. They're not doing a great job. They're going to go Intel. What do you mean they're going to go Intel? This is heresy. What do we do? Everything is burning down, et cetera. So, right, right. And now we're bringing it back. And so, like the thing, to, the the thing that strikes me about this is that this sort of sounds to me like. Um, uh, one of those things that happens, you know, where like in corporate America, for example, uh, we're going to bring all of our brands under one big umbrella. And that's a great thing. And a bunch of companies do that. And then after everybody does it, they look around for a while and they go, this is kind of a pain in the neck. And there's nobody at the company anymore that remembers what it was like when everything was separate. So then they spin everybody off into their own companies again. And then they do that for a while. And nobody can remember why it is that they weren't all in one place in the first place. And so then they come back around and they go, we're all going to be under one umbrella again. And it just keeps happening. So I think the partnership is the part of this that's different now. Like if Apple designs them and someone else is actually responsible for production, mm-hmm. that might be the secret sauce that makes this workable this time around. Because okay, well, hang on a sec, Kelly. I think you're slightly misunderstanding. Apple did not do the the uh, power the power the power PC processors were from IBM. They were not from Apple. Right. So right. they had the worst um, of both worlds. Someone else was making and designing and making the chips. Only they weren't the industry leaders. They were they were basically the industry slouches. And so Apple was tied to a third party who wasn't performing. So they had shackled themselves to a dead horse. And by yeah. shackling themselves to Intel, they were at least shackled to the market leader. And now they're saying, sod being shackled to anyone, we'll just do our own. So that the only timetable, the only the only roadmap that's going to hold us up is our roadmap. And if we mess up the roadmap, well, we did it. We're not beholden to IBM's roadmap or to Intel's roadmap. You know, I think, I think the big difference now, uh-huh. um, 
is is that um, if you casting your mind back to when we went the they came across to Intel days, mm. um, at that time it was quite a big difference between what happened on Macs and what happened on PCs. Mm. Um, whereas today it's very much just a choice. If you want to buy something that has certain types of software on it, you can buy either a Mac or a PC, and they'll probably run on both of them because that's the way things are these days. They're, they're, you go to any website, and it says available on Mac and PC and Linux and whatever. Or maybe um, a tablet too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in some ways, I mean, in some ways, I think this is going back even further than that, for me anyway, um, to my old RISC PC days. So this is an Acorn machine, a British-made machine, um, that used a RISC processor, one of the very, some of the very early ones, because ARM right. was originally... Acorn risk machines. I was going to say the A and ARM is is Acorn. Well, it was Acorn. It's now advanced, but yeah, well, you know uh, what I mean. Like, I mean, it's it it really is full circle because the brakes. It of is, your and of course, that, and, and that and that was a PC, and it had a GUI interface in the days when PCs didn't almost, didn't have GUI interfaces. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I I'm not sure myself whether it will actually happen. Whether they'll stick with Intel or, or do their own. Um, but, I, but I think there's more of a chance now of them doing something like that than that there ever has been. I agree. Yeah. I think part of it is that there's, there are different problems to solve now when you look at like improving a processor or advancing a processor. It used to just be speed because we didn't have any speed and then yeah. we got more speed. And now that everything is so much faster than people can actually you know then then people can fire at it like that processor still has a lot of room for computation so i wonder if if maybe part of the reason that apple wants to get into this is because what apple is interested in now isn't necessarily making anything faster it's making it more efficient it's making it more uh power aware like less power consumption better battery life and things like that um those are the problems that need to be solved not it was a 400 megahertz processor how do we get to 500 but also, what, what we used to be in that place you're describing, everything was plugged into the wall. So technically speaking, right. your electricity bill might be a bit higher or lower. But you know something none of us noticed because that comes out once a month. But now that yeah. all of our devices are battery operated, all so of a portable. sudden Intel's power hogginess is very noticeable because a 12 inch yes. MacBook is basically a battery with a keyboard and a screen. And yes, you know, anyway. I, and I'm going to push us along uh, because we have four more main stories to get to and t- time is ticking away. So Apple are continuing their environmental push. And because it was Earth Day this month, um, that sort of put a bit of a focus on this. So Apple were able to announce, not on Earth Day, but close to Earth Day, that they have reached their goal of having 100% of their energy usage be renewable. Um, and they're now working to make more of their supply chain more energy, more renewable as well. Um, and they've also replaced Liam, who was a robot for turning iPhones into parts, uh, with Daisy, who's a robot for turning more iPhones into more parts more quickly. <laughs> and because the more things change, the more they stay the same, despite Apple being miles ahead of absolutely everyone else in this field, Greenpeace are cranky at Apple. Not at Dell, not at Lenovo, not at anyone else. No, they're cranky at the class leaders, Apple. And for as long as I've been podcasting, that's exactly how it goes. It's like punish the guy. And who's do you know why? 
Because nobody cares if they're mad about Dell. Nobody, it, it doesn't matter if they're cranky. There's no headline in Greenpeace's Huffy at HP because reasons. There's no, there's no clicking in that. That's why they get mad at Apple. And that makes me unhappy because, like you said, Apple is the market leader. So why, why are you mad at the people that are going out and publicly declaring all of the stuff that they are doing, which is way more stuff than anybody else is doing? And achieving, right? Because so, most of these companies yeah. have a policy that they never achieve. Apple said, we're going to go 100% renewable. Ta-da, here we are. We have arrived. It's like, wow, that's brilliant. You know, at least Apple, give them a pat on the back. Apple bought a hydroelectric plant in Oregon that's <laughs> attached to a dam to generate electricity for a data center here. Yeah. Like, that's the business Apple is in. If you want to talk about how serious they are about this, Apple Apple is the power company in Central Oregon that powers the data center that Apple has in Central Oregon. I've been there. I've well, seen it. The other thing that's right, right, the argument you hear is, oh, no, no, if you're going to be environmentally friendly, I mean, that's a real dent on your bottom line. And I mean, you know, in a modern competitive environment, you, you can't be green and be profitable. Strangely enough, Apple are the most profitable company on planet Earth and mm. 100% renewable now. So guess that argument just went (laughs) yes yes can you tell i'm getting a bit preachy on this one but i I think it's important (laughs) i mean to 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 be fair they have the money to invest too so it is much harder for a smaller company to become profitable they they can do it i'm not saying they can't do it I, i i am just saying it's probably slightly more challenging the company the I work, for, the co- company I work for, uh, is a water company, and we now generate uh, so water and sewage, and we now generate forty uh, percent, I think, of our, of our own energy, and and we're tiny in comparison to Apple. So it it is possible. Right. It just needs thinking about and, and prioritizing. Right. I think you have to commit time. to it. You have to commit to it, and you have to be willing to commit resources to it, and you have to do understand those things. So yes, Apple you know, didn't get here overnight. Absolutely but... right. They've put right, decades exactly. into getting here. And so if someone else, it's impossible for a company to get from zero to where Apple is in, in, in a year. But at the very right. least, bloody well start the journey, folks. Right. Yeah. But I can because understand, you, you know, a small, a small business owner who wants to, you know, put solar on his on his roof and maybe can't but you make can it buy that because he has pay, payroll, right? But you can buy has... green energy, right? Here in Ireland, we have multi- like we have a privatized <laughs> electricity grid. I can choose to go with a company called Airtricity, who only sell renewable energy. They're not more expensive than than the the alternatives. And in fact, well, that's nice. I have that, gone with that's Airtricity. Nice. I don't. I don't get a choice here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't either. What's unfortunate is that you know Apple is out there fighting the fight, but here, at least in the U.S. Uh, I will say that the problem is the EPA. We have an EPA chief that doesn't believe there's a reason <laughs> to fight for environmental wellness. And so, boy, you talk about a, a root problem. And, you know, that's the root problem is that a lot of people don't even believe this is a fight worth being in the ring for. And, and I mean, you know, Apple's in there doing it. But here, unfortunately, people are just blind to the fact that we are going to destroy our planet if we don't go down a path well, that, that at that's least why what Apple's doing is so so important right is exactly that, that, right that they are showing the world yes just like bart was saying it can be done it's hard work you have to commit to it but when you do the benefits are huge and they're hoping Correct. like they often do in a lot of areas lead by example you know we're going to do it and hopefully this will inspire a bunch of and i know it will it's going to inspire a lot of companies yes. and and people to look more deeply into this and the so thing that the is thing. important 
a thing that's important about this, I think, is that there's there's a whole lot of room for other companies to get good attention and appreciation and applause for an effort. Like exactly, nobody yes. has to. You know, I'm not waiting for Dell to come out tomorrow and say we're 100 percent renewable. No, I just want to hear you took a crack at it. Like well, we're us. trying by by making these sorts of decisions that mean that a a, a larger portion of our power consumption, you know, I want to hear this from Amazon, you know, because mm. Amazon is mm-hmm. AWS. Tell me about the renewable percentage of power that AWS is using because AWS powers so much stuff now, and it's so easy to make AWS the thing that powers yeah, so much are, stuff. Are we Tell me think... about that. Or Google. You know, The bulk of what you do is server farms right. and data centers. Talk to me about how much wind power you're using, how much water power you're using, because even if I know that you are trying, that tells me that you recognize that this is a thing that you're fixing to change, and I'm happy to give you props for that. I don't think we realize as uh, as a as a user base how energy hungry data centers are. I, with my work hat on, I know this because we have our own on-premise data centers, and those things gobble power at a, a phenomenal rate. It takes many, 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 many thousands of student departments to be equivalent to a data center. Like mm-hmm. it, it is not. Oh, you know, it's just some computers. No, it bloody well isn't. It those things absolutely eat up power. So it's really important that the the big data centers. And here in Ireland, actually, you can buy space in data centers in Ireland that have one hundred percent renewable. So it's actually to help you as a company tick that box. You can buy data center space here, colo space that is one hundred percent renewable in quite a few Irish data centers. I think it, it also comes down to our individual choices. So if we, uh, as individuals, made choices to deal with companies who are trying, at least mm. trying, like you said, Kelly, to make this a goal, and that in return, we're doing something. You know, I have a Nest thermostat. I can train that Nest thermostat to be more green. Well, if I'm mm-hmm. doing that little piece, and if all of us can do a little tiny sliver, then in the aggregate, we're going to be better off. So yeah. it's not just companies, it's us as individuals using technology to make the world greener, if and we some, can. And sometimes it's just thinking outside of the box. I remember seeing a, a, a TV um, news item some time ago, and I, I can't remember whether it was Norway or Sweden, but I think it was probably Norway, uh, where a company has decided to take distributed distributed servers to another level and what they're actually doing is installing them in people's homes Uh so that they can use the waste heat that they generate to heat the homes of the people i thought that's a really clever idea we've kind of gone backwards actually because in the in the university i work in our old 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 data center when it wasn't called the data center it was called a server room um, yes. It was physically located within 100 yards of the university swimming pool and the heat exchanger from the server room heated the water in the swimming pool because they were adjacent to each other. Oh, that's clever. I, I awesome. thought it was wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is another piece of the thing that I think is why people just go, oh, it's a bunch of servers. But what you don't know is that that bunch of servers needs a ventilation system and it yep. needs climate control and it's serious climate control. You know how hot that tower used to get that used to sit under your desk when you had a PC, <laughs> you know, with one of those terrible Intel chips we were talking about before that was all power hoggy. 
like keeping that thing at a reasonable operating temperature is no small feat. So all of that is additional power that goes into some of this stuff. And that's why I think um, the impact of that isn't always appreciated by people who are talking about it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to jump us along, if people don't mind, to our third main uh, story. Before, before okay, we do, no, work away, Adam. just on this story, one other thing I want to give, because it's in our community, and I think a lot of people don't know. Uh, you know, Apple did this, and they're 100% renewable and everything like that. That's great. This year, OWC has been doing this for a long time. I think in 2015, their Woodstock facility generated more power than they used, so... This can be done at other companies, and OWC committed to being a green company years ago and also accomplished this. So That's great, because I already love OWC, and now I love them a little bit more. They're fantastic. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Okay. Thanks, Adam. That's a nice, happy story to to finish a potentially depressing topic on. It's nice of you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm now going to depress us all again. Um, uh, The writing's been on the wall for at least a year since Apple basically reassigned all of the engineers from the airport team. But uh, in case you thought they were reassigned to some sort of new son of airport, super cool, Apple are really going to completely reinvent the router business. No, they were clouds in your coffee. Uh, Apple have made it official. Goodbye, airport. They are getting out of the router market. And they've gone so far, actually, as to put up a web page to help you choose a router from a competitor. Um one thing I do want to make sure to point out, just because they have killed their routers does not mean they have killed Time Machine or network-based Time Machine backups. Any third-party SAN or NAS can choose to support the protocol, and many of them do, including the open-source free NAS, which is what I'm using for my um, Time Machine backups at the moment. So just because you can't buy a time capsule anymore doesn't mean that you can't continue to back up over the network seamlessly. Um, well, and I, I advise people, if you are using a time capsule, I think, you know, and it's not a more recently new one, you, you may want to start looking into yeah. transitioning at I, some I, point, right? I think because I heard it's got you... a spinning hard drive in it, and those things only last so long. Yeah, Was it yourself or was it Ken I heard say the immortal words, it's not a question of if a hard drive will die, it's a question of me. when. Yes. Right. So not not that there's a problem with your time capsule, but you know if it is it, it if it is of a certain age, you know you're not going to be able to buy another one. So just start planning now. That was my and advice. it's basically even if you bought one oh. recently, like it's still an older piece of hardware. So right. the time is now. Um, <laughs> start looking at it. Start finding your family tech support person and see what kind of recommendations they can give you ages ago you could only use time machine with time capsules and they've right. op- they opened that up a long time ago so that any hard drive you're able to plug in and let me tell you i've told the story before of my family my family member who called me up all excited because she got an iphone and when i asked her which iphone she got she told me the green one uh-huh. i have managed to have this person backing up regularly using time machine and a hard drive. I set her up with a calendar reminder and here's what you do. You take it and you plug in the side and then you click on this and you wait for the little circle to start going around and you're good. When it's done, it will tell you unplug it and you're and move on with your life. What We're going to do it every Sunday night and you're good. And now she's happy. But that's why actually mm-hmm. a network-based time 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 machine is actually so much better because you don't have to remember to do that. So having oh, that's totally true. But I'm not going to be able to set up a NAS there. 
Well, so but a lot of routers, a lot of third-party <laughs> routers, you just shove the hard drive into the router and it'll work fine, right? So if you're choosing right. a new router, you know, try yes. find one with time capsule support or rather time machine support since time capsule yes. is There's, There is quite a, few, quite a few now that have USB ports on the back. I yeah. know um, the Synology 2600, which I think costs about the same as an Airport Express does. So, yeah. And the other thing is, like, Apple never went down the route of mesh networking. And the reality is that the days of being able to to of finding bad Wi-Fi in your home tolerable are over because we're all yes. trying to stream video to high resolution devices. And so <laughs> get, getting away with one router wherever the modem happens to be because whatever physical wire comes into your house happens to be there. Those days are over. So now that you're freed from, from you know, buying airports which don't have mesh capability, don't forget to consider mesh. It may not be for you. But it might be, and now there's no reason not to try. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've all been really positive on this depressing story. I, I approve. I, I, you know, I think Apple hadn't been paying attention to this for a long time. They got into the business because they needed to, because they mm. brought out an iBook, and it had wireless, and there was, I mean, at a time there when there was no anything. wireless, right? Yeah. They had to build something. And then just over time, it sort of was like de facto, well, we're building these things. We're pretty good at it. Let's keep making them. People like them. They work really well with our stuff. And there still was kind of a market where Macs weren't very well supported by other Wi-Fi companies, right? And the, yeah. And so Apple continued. Oh, that they were changed. dreadful days. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of great options out there now. And I think Apple just recognizes we've, we've got a lot of other things going on. This area is being well served uh, by other companies for our customers. So time to move on. Yeah, for yep. every no, or for every yes, there's a thousand no's, and this has just become a no. And, you know, I think that's no I mean, honestly, here. I thought this was a positive story because those are products that have just been quietly aging. They've been suffering mm. benevolent neglect. And having, mm -hmm. having somebody finally go, yeah, you know the router business that you pretend that we're in? We're not in it. No, <laughs> yeah. just no. And so, honestly, I was glad to see them finally kill it because yeah. it's not a product that's getting support. It's not a product that's going to iterate. It's not going to ever be anything besides what it is, which was only ever a fair to Midland solution in the first place. Okay. So, well, I'm glad it's gone. Needed. Yeah, but just you to know, say. There's other products that also need to have the Band-Aid ripped off, true. I think. I yes. agree. I agree with yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and Apple aren't good at the whole walking and chewing gum thing. So that that is that is kind of a known Apple problem. Yeah. I just want to say, though, yeah. like, while I am very – while I think it's a good thing that the airport is now exiting stage left because that's the right thing to do today in 2018 <laughs> – I do want to acknowledge the fact that if Apple hadn't have gone into this business, I don't think Wi-Fi would be where it is now. I Not at don't all. think that's an exaggeration. Apple really Agreed. drove early Wi-Fi, which used to suck with a capital S. Oh, right. preach. So, you know, props to them for doing the right thing a decade and a half ago or whenever Wi-Fi was just coming on stream. And props mm -hmm. to them for knowing when it's, well, to be honest, I probably should have realized it was time to sod off about five years ago. But nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> they have discovered it's time to sod off and they're sodding off. And I think props to them on both ends of the spectrum there. Good for doing it yeah. and good for leaving. I'm glad it's finally gone. But yes, it, 
it, it was necessary when it was necessary. It just hasn't been necessary for a long time as people went, as other companies went, wow, there's Apple hardware out there that wants to connect to stuff. Maybe we shouldn't make me, people have to open up terminal and build a config file by hand just to show up on the network properly. Ask me how I know. So <laughs> I'm glad that this isn't stuff that, that has to happen anymore. Um, but yeah, I feel like when Apple opened Apple stores and were selling other people's networking gear, they should have known at that point, if we're happy to sell to sell you something from Belkin or Netgear or D-Link or whoever else instead of our own, then maybe we should stop making our own. So the decision was a long time coming, but I'm glad it's here to sort of nudge people off into the world of regular networking devices that are not necessarily Apple specific. Yeah, and, and Bart, to attach to what you were saying too, what they did for the security protocols having to do with wireless was huge. Yep. You know, we wouldn't have the kind of uh, wireless security that we do today if it were not for those devices, in my opinion. And well, Apple engineers have been heavily involved in the industry groups that have standardized what we now Correct. call colloquially Wi-Fi, right? 802. Blah, 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 802. blah. There's a lot yeah, of 802s. Right. There's, 11, there's lots and lots of little 802 stuff. But they were in there thick and they wanted to make sure, as Apple always does, that the security level was way above and beyond what you and I would have thought of. Well, maybe not you, but me. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Apple definitely did good work in this field. Okay, I'm going to jump us along to our fourth main story for the month, which is the quarterly story of the year, as in they do an earnings call every quarter. So we talk about it every third episode. Q2 <laughs> 2018, because Apple count funny. Um, really, I could go through all the numbers, but to be honest, what I'm, all I'm, I don't think we need to dwell too long on the actual numbers because the simple fact is it's up, all of it, everything. Whether you count it by region, they're up, 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 up. So the Americas up 17%, Europe up 9%, Greater China up 21%, Japan up 22%, rest of Asia Pacific up 4%. Whether you count it by device, iPhone up 14 iPad up 6 Mac flat, but not down, services up 31 other products up 38 It's just, it's, it's up, right? So that's all good. To me, the story of the earnings call was that we need to remember that prognosticating in advance of a call is at best guesswork. And so all of this doom and gloom clickbait about the iPhone ten is doomed turned out to be absolute bullpucky. Because <laughs> So basically what was going on was that Samsung weren't selling enough of the particular type of OLED that goes into an iPhone ten. And apparently the reason is because Samsung phones are selling absolutely awful because the iPhone ten is selling absolutely fantastic. Clearly so, Apple is doomed. Yes, Apple is doomed. That sells newspapers all of, or clicks or whatever you're having. Your all stuff. of this is terrible because they're never going to be able to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so just, just to talk say, to Adam right? for a minute. I just injured myself rolling my eyes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just to say, actually, so what, what Tim Cook said about the iPhone 10 was that for every single week of this quarter, the best selling iPhone model was the iPhone 10. Not on average, not overall. Each and every single week in the entire quarter, it was their best-selling device. This is not a device that is suffering. This is not a device that is struggling. And I think related. So I never understood why the narrative got out there because I've put these in the show notes in this order to make a point. So I'm getting preachy here, so bear with me. (laughs) Two weeks before the earnings call, we had reports that from CounterPoint Research that iPhone X alone generated 35% of handset industry profits in Q4 2017. So that's not a struggling wow. device. Tech Pinions, 97% customer sat for iPhone 10. 
that's a high number just for customer sat. But customer sat means satisfied and very satisfied. So that number can hide squishiness. The real killer number is the very satisfied number. That's at 85% for the iPhone. And that story broke a week before the earnings call. And yet, in the entire lead-up to the earnings call, we had everyone going, the sky is falling, we're all doomed to not selling any iPhone 10s. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We I mean, I'm very pleased. You know I'm very why, pl- right? Click, click, click. Go Sorry. on, Nick. I mean, you yeah. know why, that, why, that, why those stories existed. Well, it's clickbait, right? Yeah, well, no, it's the oh. supply chain people, and they look at supply chain, and they see Apple pulling back orders on component parts for iPhone, and, they, and then they draw the conclusion that that means... Well, Apple's not making as many iPhones, so iPhone must be selling badly. iPhone right. 10s. Right. Right. That's, is... that's how they get to that point. And Tim Cook is often warned against one doing that. Hmm. But the second thing to me that's really frustrating is this is what happens with every product that Apple makes. They do a <laughs> yeah. massive yeah. ramp up in the pipeline of component yeah. parts. So orders go extremely high. And then they cut them back. I mean, the one difference was I think they cut back about 60% this time instead of 50%, but it's only a 10% difference. And it Which probably just was not reflective a... of how many yeah. parts they already had, you know, in supply chain. So, I mean, the, these are things that happen. And also they change suppliers and sometimes people don't don't see that. So they may be getting a component part someplace else and someone doesn't realize it because they're only looking at, well, they were ordering from so-and-so and now they've just way cut back their orders. But and they don't see that, oh, they placed you, more orders over here or, you know, so it's just It's even more around, subtle so. sometimes, right? Because if right. you, another thing that gets better over time is yield. And so you may right. actually order the same amount of parts, but get more usable parts. And so what Very looks like a ramp too. back in yeah. production, right? We're not making a thousand of them because we know that, you know, 200 of them are for the bin. We can now make 800 of them because they're all going to be good. Well, that's a mm-hmm. 20% cut in production. No, it isn't. It's actually 0% cut in production. It's just that our yield has gotten way better. And so this kind of prognosticating is excruciatingly error prone. Exactly. And we're seeing that today. We're seeing it with HomePod. I mean, if you've been looking at the stories out there, that's the next one that is doomed. You know, (laughs) oh, my God, it was that big air, blah, blah, blah. And I don't own a HomePod right now, but I hardly think it's doomed. (laughs) I think it's a a great product that will find the space when it's supposed to. But that doesn't mean it's doomed in any way, shape or form. Nick, you were trying to jump in there at the shirt and we all Uh, sort of stomped on you. No, that's okay. Um, I, I, while I'm very happy, happy for Apple that it, 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 it's all <laughs> happily ever after, as it were, and they've sold lots of uh, tens, um, my only concern, being someone who owns a second-hand uh, seven, mm-hmm. um, uh, because I don't really think I can justify buying a new one, mm. uh, is that it will send the message to Apple that, they can actually charge more for their phones and still sell bucket loads of them. I, I wouldn't so worry, Nick. Why would because, they not? But the SE is what... a really, really important product for them that sells very well. And I, I don't think Apple are going to do mm. that. I, I wouldn't think so. Well, and we also, just on, on that point, you know, Apple did, and I think Tim even commented either, I think it was in the Q&A part because he, he, he was asked about the lineup and he he commented, you know, Apple will always have, a product to serve basically every price point was was the synopsis. I don't remember with specific words, but basically saying, you know, we're not just looking at the high end. We we develop products that, you know, serve all of our customers who are looking for a product. We want to have a product at every at every point. And especially historically, if you look at really mature products like 
um, you know, say the iPod, for example, it mm-hmm. started out on the premium end and then the line expands. And once they get to maturity, they do try to have, you know, they have an entry level, they have a mid level, they have a, a upper mid level, you know, they really try to hit all those. And all the rumors are pointing to this new 6.1 model that is going to be at that price point and is going to be a, a what seems like a really compelling phone a really compelling upgrade for someone like you who are looking to come in at a at a lower price point so well, i don't i hope so i hope so i hope so i hope what we're not going to get is sort of the average cost sort of creeping up slowly i think what um, you're going to get in said nick because it's actually kind of telling that they didn't do the iphone 10 as the iphone 8 because that would have forced them to creep the price up instead yeah, they added an extra model above so that they could keep their existing high end where it was. I just had a new super high end. And mm-hmm. the, the the power of this, I think, is that the technology should trickle down. And so right. we're basically guinea pigs with the iPhone 10 who are paying to be beta testers and paying quite a lot to be beta testers for technology that Apple are then going to be able to produce at scale at a much lower price and pass down. So I think it's quite a healthy product line between the 10 on one end and the SE on the other end because the SE... Design-wise, isn't all that spectacular, but what's inside that little package is really quite impressive, or at least it was the day it came out, and rumor has it that the next SE is due very soon. And keep in mind, too, if Apple wants to continue to sell iPhones because people just aren't upgrading as frequently, you know, again, we've reached maturity with the iPhone line, and the only way to continue to have growth or at least remain stable is to expand your existing market. Everybody who wants an iPhone pretty much has an iPhone now. So they need to be able to uh, have a, a lineup where they can sell into every price point so that when someone walks into a store, they don't have a reason to go, well, you know what, that iPhone's too expensive. I'm just going to buy something else. They don't want to put themselves in that position. So they're sort of forced to have a, a whole range of products. Yeah. Folks, I'm going to jump us ahead a little. Um, I'm under a bit of time pressure, unfortunately. Um, just to note, uh, Victor, you joked about the um, the AirPod being doomed. Well, the previous product that was definitely doomed was the Apple Watch. And it's right. kind of interesting that the segment where the Apple Watch sits is went up quite a lot year over year. Second biggest growth area was the other category, which also includes the HomePod, yeah. And the AirPods, which are also, by all accounts, doing extremely well. But, Tim, right. what, what we know about the Apple Watch is that Tim Cook said that on its own, it would now be a Fortune 300 company. If the Apple Watch were broken at it, it is now a Fortune 300 company. So again, oh, so totally doomed-like, don't you know? So, you know, I I just (laughs) wanted to find that point. This was a a product that was not great out of the box. I mean, come on, think about the first version of the watch. I loved my first watch, Victor. Oh, did you? I did, but the thing is, it was a compromised device. Right, but But they were able to come back and do it in a way that, I don't own one right now, but I know people who do and love it. And I think this is the thing with the AirPod and other products that they can come back and reinvent themselves in a way that these products can succeed superbly, even though they may not have had the greatest start. I think the Apple Watch is a great example from what mm-hmm. everything that I've seen. I owned an Apple Watch for about a month, and it just wasn't for me. I sold it. But, uh, but those who love it absolutely love it. Yeah, I do. But- yeah, I was going to say I am very, 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 very passionate about my Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I almost mm-hmm. credit it. I, I it, like it has saved my health, if not my life. It's such a great device. Anyway, um, the other thing then that has to has to be mentioned is 
Apple seem quite confident in their own financial future as well. They seem to have decided that continuing to accrue cash is not a thing they're going to do, which given how much cash they have is probably wise. So they're they're now getting to a stage where they're giving back their profits. So a 16% increase in the quarterly dividend is no, no bad thing. But they're also spend. They've also approved one hundred billion with a B dollars of share buybacks, and that's a sign of a confident company. You do not do that if you are not confident about your company's future. So anyway, that's for sure. My and, retirement and, uh, plan thanks them. Yeah, <laughs> fair point. There actually, go. yeah, there's, there's a lot of. Apple stock is the kind of stock that is in a lot of people's retirement plan, all right? And Warren Buffett has, has, has doubled down and the stock has gone nicely up. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't believe anyone else, believe Warren Buffett. He, he's he's yeah. more than doubled down and there, there you go. If you don't believe it, then follow his lead. Uh, certainly, I talked to my stockbroker and said, hmm, maybe it's time to put a little bit more into Apple stock. And just the final thing just to, that caught my eye is that Tim Cook used the call as an opportunity to emphasize that in, in Apple's and his mind, privacy is a fundamental human right, is the direct quote. Uh, I'm going to jump us into just one last very quick main story. I, I really just think we have to mark this because it's it's so important. But this month, as in April, the iMac turned 20 years old as a product line. And I have been an iMac user since since my first iMac, I think, was a G3. No, oh, my G4 first iMac one. actually was technically an eMac, now that I think about it. it. It had the CRT display in it, now that I think about it. Uh, to me, this is one of Apple's single best products because the concept was right from day one. And yes, they've updated the design to keep it current with modern tech, but the concept has not changed. I want a single thing on my desk with no wires coming out of it that is my computer, and I don't want any other garbage, and I want it to be a really nice display, and I want it to just work. And that is the iMac, the very first one, and that is today's iMac Pro in all of its, you know, nerdy, sexy goodness. It's a great idea that they have executed perfectly for 20 years, and I want to take my hat off to them because I adore all the iMacs I own and all the iMacs I have owned in the last God knows how long. I, lo- I love my iMac. Um, I think that the the iteration where they changed the very thin edges was unnecessary, but I still love it, and I loved the previous one that I had before it. <laughs> They're wonderful machines. And I don't think there's any iMac naysayers. Yeah. And if there are, they're probably afraid to nope. speak up because I love it nothing so much. Just, nothing else to say no, about my, that. It's a great product. It, I I had the iMac DV that came with a DVD player Ooh. in it and a copy of A Bug's Life to show off that exciting new DVD player. <laughs> um, I loved that computer. It 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 was so it was such a difference from all the all the other ones at the time. Like a lot of time, you know. Uh, it wasn't beige and it had, you know, a reasonable graphics process, graphics card in it, you know, at a time when that was something that was really important. And just everything about it was, was something that I really, really liked. And I have, I, I, I am sentimental about that one that, that I had, I really, really enjoyed using it. Um, when I needed more portability, I ended up like going with a laptop um, from then on. But that was one of my favorite computers, and partly also because of what it represents, uh, as far as Apple goes. Like it was sort of a turning point in their history, 
um, aside from the fact that it was a turning point in computer history. Actually, sorry, so. Kelly, I'd actually forgotten that little nugget. Yep. Yeah, the iMac is also the product Steve Jobs used to save the company from collapse. That too. Yes, it did. <laughs> yep. So for me, that's the other thing about it that's that's very interesting um, is that because there's like there's sort of a li- there's a line in in Apple certainly of uh, you know when Steve came back going forward you know like what things were like before and after that moment Mm. but also just in general computing like getting a computer that wasn't a beige box or wasn't you know aggressively ugly and having that be something that could sit in your house like any other lovely object you would invite into your house and i feel like that was a fundamental change as well that's true instead of being an ugly beige box you were ashamed of and hid away it was this thing of beauty you put on your desk with pride yeah Okay, folks, uh, I'm going to quickly race through some quick stories before we wrap up the show. Um, The first story in quick stories probably would have been a main story if I didn't have a hard limit of five in my mind. Um, The new Mac Pro is not going to show up until 2019. Now, Apple had... What Apple actually said in 2017 was not this year. What Planet Earth heard was, oh, great, 2018... Uh, but that's not what Apple said. And now Apple have said, no, 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 not 2018. It will be 2019. And the other word that keeps showing up is the word modular. So whatever it is and whatever that means, it will be a modular design whenever it finally shows up. Uh, if I may editorialize for just a second, thank goodness the iMac Pro came out and is such a cool machine because otherwise I think Apple would, would look like complete plunkers in this regard. So at least they're not... you know. Co- Go on, Adam. Can I make a quick comment on that? Because I kind of felt exactly the same way. I was enraged by the fact that they weren't going to do it this year. And I expressed that rage on my on my show. <laughs> and I have heard wholeheartedly from yes, you did. the pro community that they're like, you know, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> Which is great. Nope. We're fine with our cheese graters. We've been upgrading those. We're fine with our Mac Pros. They're working great for us right now. And we're willing to wait for this if Apple thinks they need the time to get it right. So. Well, that's a relief, frankly. We would rather that they do it right and take yeah. a little longer than do it mm-hmm. wrong again and leave us right. with a machine that can't be upgraded for three or four or five years or however. Yeah. And another thermal wall to splatter again. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, surprised, it surprised me because, you know, I think Mac fans like myself who don't live in that world are sort of like, what the heck? It's been, it's been six hmm. years. But the, the pro community is like, it's been six years. We can wait another one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really interesting to me that uh, the iMac Pro is it's such a powerful machine that uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it is that this quote-unquote modular machine is going to be able to do for uh, folks like me in the music industry, for example, you know, as far as um, uh, scalability uh, in, 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 for example, audio DSP. You know, am, am I going to be able to, not just with RAM, but be able to add... Uh, hardware to this machine that'll make it more suitable for a very specific niche market like audio or for the video people. So I think that's where the modular thing's going to come in. Uh, But geez, what they've done already with the iMac Pro is if that's an indicator of where they're going, then it's going to be incredible. That's a good point, actually. The fact that the iMac Pro rocks has given everyone hope that whenever this thing shows up, it, it too shall rock. Um, exactly. The, the, the mm-hmm. next quick story is just one of those ones that made the entire planet titter to themselves. A memo leaked from Apple about how they're really serious about leakers and don't do any leaking or we'll put you in jail. <laughs> uh, and the whole world just basically went tee hee. Um, yeah. 
No yeah. real news there, really. I mean, Apple have always been very anti-leaking, and they continue to be so. Uh, there has also been a product red released of the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, not of the iPhone 10, and the iPhone 7 and 7S, or sorry, 7 and 7 Plus, uh, do not have a product red version anymore. So basically, the product red has been upgraded from 7 to 8. Apple have launched a battery replacement program for the non-touch bar 13-inch MacBook Pros. If you have a one of those, check your serial number. You may be entitled to a new battery. Apple have acknowledged a microphone issue with some iPhone 7 and 7 Plus models. Uh, so if you're affected, you need to check out the link in the show notes. And in an interview with the Sydney Morning Herald, Tim Cook said some words that made me smile. Tim Cook said the blindingly obvious that no, people don't want us to merge the Mac with iOS, so that's not what we're going to do. Thank you, Tim. Good to hear you say that. Uh, iTunes has finally made it into the Windows Store, and if you're wondering why that's important, it's because Windows S, which is the cheaper model of Windows for schools, can only run apps from the store, and therefore not having iTunes in the store was actually kind of embarrassing, so it's kind of good that that's been fixed. And uh, probably surprising no one, Apple are shutting down the Windows app for the Texture magazine service they purchased recently. Okay, folks, that is going to do it for this month's Apple News. Um, Panel, thank you ever so much for being so generous with your time on this Sunday afternoon. Um, In reverse order, Nick, do you want to let the good people know where they can uh, find you on the intertubes? Uh, Yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, under Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Thank you very much. Uh, Victor, do you have any links you'd like to give to the dear listeners? Uh, just the Facebook and the Twitter. You can find me at B-I-C-T-O-R-C-A-J-I-A-O. I'm, I'm thankful you spelled it out, Victor, because while yeah. I've learned to say your surname, <laughs> yeah. I, I had to double check the spelling of it when writing the show notes because I'm out of practice. Right. That's right. I can't blame you. That's fine. Adam, do you want to give people uh, the links to where they can listen to more of your great work? Because you, you're yep. quite prolific. Uh, pretty easy. MacCast on your favorite uh, thing that you listen to podcasts on. Uh, MacCast.com. Also, you can find me weekly, uh, usually on the, uh, on the iOS show, although that's in limbo. Maybe I shouldn't give that out so much, but we're, we're doing shows <laughs> occasionally. Uh, so you can check out the iOSshow.com. And also, I am weekly on uh, the Mac show over at the British Tech Network. Excellent. And Kelly, do you want to give her any links? And you don't have to limit yourself to one. So you definitely plug App Camp <laughs> again, but plug other things too if you like. Uh, definitely App Camp. Um, app Camp number four, girls.org. Uh, we are a nonprofit. So uh, if you're in the US and want to donate to us, uh, it is tax deductible. Um, you can find me on Twitter. You should find me on micro.blog. I am Verso in both places. And if you want to hear my uh, Westworld podcast, it's on the Incomparable Network, and it's called Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. Go listen. Go listen. There you go. That's, that's a good recommendation there. Folks, thank you ever so much. Um, listeners, you will find detailed show notes for all the stories that informed my thinking on this month's news at let's-talk.ie. While you're there, you'll find uh, a bunch of buttons in the sidebar under the heading Support the Show. I want to say thank you very much to everyone who has used those buttons to support the show. A double special thank you to the Patreon users because 
you guys provide that annual flow, uh, or not annual, that regular flow of income that matches the regular bills that show up on the other end, and I pour the money from one end to the other, and it makes me happy that they are lining up with each other these days. That That is a very great thing, and I thank you very much for it. There's also a PayPal button for one-off contributions, and I really appreciate everyone who's clicked that button over the last few years. It really does help a lot. Uh, And then you can also help the show by just telling your friends about it, tweeting about it, spreading the word, spreading the love. It is all appreciated. And there are some nerdy referrer links, if you'd like, for uh, domain uh, registration from Hover.com and virtual servers from DigitalOcean.com. They only actually achieve anything if you actually buy a domain or if you actually get some server space. So unless you need those things, don't bother clicking on those buttons. Uh, thank you again to the panel. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. So you can find me on bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. for a podcast to get your geek on then listen to my favorite ladies podcast the three geeky ladies join Alyssa, suze and vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention the three geeky ladies podcast on the my mac podcasting network